Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. John chapter 3, we will read the first seven verses. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Let us unite together in prayer. Eternal Father, our God, we thank thee for this time that we can come to share together. In a period of worship and praise of your name, Lord, as we turn our attention to your word and speak from it, may your Holy Spirit be in our midst and sit upon each of us and the touch, Lord, especially any hearts or souls that are in need of making a decision for you. If there are any lost individuals in this congregation today, speak, we would pray, through these lips that your word would take lodging and bear fruit to the salvation of a lost soul. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Last Sunday morning, I spoke on the subject, Are You a Christian? This morning, I want to ask the same question, but in a different way. Have you been born again? Have you been born again? There was a couple in a motel or a hotel lobby preparing to go into a room to sign up for a room and the husband was at the desk making the arrangements and his wife was standing in the lobby at some distance away simply waiting. The husband noticed that some strange man had come up to his wife and was talking in earnest to her. And after he had signed in, gotten the room key, he came over to his wife and said, what did that person want? And she said, that person asked me if I were born again. And the husband became a little bit upset and irate as if, There was no reason that anybody should ever ask such a question, and his wife responded, if you had seen the sincerity in his face and the concern in his eyes, you would have known that it was his business. 
And I think we need to approach this world in which we live with that kind of seriousness and be able to unashamedly ask the question of our families, of our friends, and even strangers that we come in contact with the most important question that anybody will ever be faced with, and that is, are you born again? Seeing people born into the kingdom of God was the business that Jesus was about and was assigned to us. A very wealthy, prominent, religious individual of the community came to Jesus at night time and began by saying to him, Teacher, we know that you've been sent from God. But nobody could do the things that you do if God didn't send him. Jesus never even let him get to the purpose of his coming and the question that evidently he wanted to ask, but launched into a statement that is the very bottom line of what we are about. When Jesus said to the man, verily, verily, placing importance upon what he was about to say, I say to you, Nicodemus, that except, that is, with no other way can a man be born, well, let, me, let me state it over, can a man get, except, there's no other way that a man can get into the kingdom of heaven except he be born again. You see, Nicodemus was a man like many men even yet today who believe that you can get into heaven by many different routes, any one of which is acceptable. And Jesus makes it clear there is only one way to get into heaven. And that's to have a second birth. Nicodemus doesn't understand. An intelligent man like this begins to, to argue with Jesus and said, What are you talking about? You mean I'm going to go back to my mother's womb and actually be born again? And then two verses, verse 5 and 6, that some churches have problems with, the Church of Christ is particularly one that misunderstands verse 5 and 6, and there are others. Now I want you to notice what it said, what Jesus actually said. Again, he uses the words, verily, verily, indicating the importance of what he's about to say. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Many churches stop right there and say, you see, you've got to be baptized to be saved. 
That's not what he said. He said, born of water. He didn't say baptized at all. He said, born of water. And born of the Spirit. Well, what did he mean? Verse 6 explains it quite well. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now look at the parallel. Verse 5, that which is born of water, that which is born of the Spirit. Verse 6, that which is flesh, that which is spirit. Do you see the parallel? He's talking about a physical birth. You must be born physically, but you also must be born spiritually. And that's not baptism. Baptism is nothing more than a symbol, a sign, an indication of an external expression of what has taken place in the heart. The second birth is a birth of the spirit, a birth of the heart, a regeneration of that which is from God, which is the spirit. That which is born of the spirit is saved. You see, our bodies will not be saved until the resurrection. Did you know that? That our spirit is saved upon giving it to Jesus Christ. Our bodies will be imperfect until the Lord transforms us at his second coming. Our soul is made perfect at the point of yielding to Jesus Christ. Now let's look at this man. Jesus said to Nicodemus, Except a man be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. I think we need to explain that to some people. I talked to some people, two people, Friday night, a man and wife, and asked about their church attendance and so on, and the lady responded to me, I don't go to church because Sunday is my day to rest. I asked her where she worked, and she told me, and I won't tell you because you might be able to figure out maybe who I was talking with. She was serious. She was saying to me, it's nice, but I don't need it. I don't need what you're talking about. Nicodemus was coming and saying, I am a serious-minded man. I am in earnest. And I believe that the way to heaven is the way I have decided Jesus said, you're wrong. There are many people who have said, and you've heard it said, and maybe even stated it yourself, that it makes no difference what you believe as long as you believe something. That's a lie of the devil. It does make a difference what you believe. This man, Nicodemus, believed that he was going to heaven because he was serious about his religion. 
And Jesus said, unless you're born again, you're not going to get there, Nicodemus. So there are lots of serious people in the world who have their regiments of beliefs that will include all kinds of things with one exception. That is, they don't believe there's any need of being born again. They'll get there on something else. Secondly, Nicodemus was one of the most moral men that the world had ever produced. All of the Pharisees were honest, upright, moral, they thought, in all of their ways. Jesus did not say to this man, Nicodemus, there are some problems in your life. You're going to have to clean up your act before you ever get to heaven. And you know that same statement still being made today. People say to me routinely, I'm going to start coming to church as soon as I clean up my act. As soon as I quit drinking, I'm going to go to church. As soon as I solve some of my family problems, I'm going to go. As soon as, as soon as, as soon as, as soon as, and on and on go the as soon as's. Do you know they never reach the end of the as soon as? Because one is not born into the kingdom by changing one's way of living. One is born into the kingdom by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary that forgives sins. And then one's act is cleaned up over the years by the power of God, not by the power of man. We make a mistake as churches in believing that as soon as a person is saved, he has become perfect. He has matured. He has, is an adult Christian. And we fail to realize that they come irregardless of their chronological age, of their human age. They come into the kingdom of God as babies and begin to grow and mature and learn and get smarter and quit doing things and start doing things. And all of these things begin to develop. Let's not make the mistake of expecting maturity out of a baby in the spirit. Let's be the mothers and the fathers and the sisters and brothers of those who will woo and encourage and love and support and feed the babies in Christ until they become mature Christian individuals. We start with the birth. And we mature from there. We don't mature and then become born. And that's exactly what lots of people are trying to do. Is mature and then have the birth. And I think my medical information is correct. That you are born first and then you start growing. Burma, you're a nurse, isn't that right? So it is in the spirit. We are born first. And then things began to mature in our lives. Nicodemus thought that he could get into the kingdom by being more moral and honest and upright and correcting all the problems of his life, only to discover that Jesus said, unless you're born 
again, you can't get into the kingdom of heaven. Thirdly, Nicodemus was a very religious man. You know, he prayed, he tithed, he sacrificed, he read the Bible, he fasted, he attended worship services. You know, he did everything that we would expect anybody in church to do. But he was still lost because he hadn't been born again. You know, one of the real burdens that I carry as a pastor that really does burden me is knowing that in my congregation there are members of the church that I pastor who are on their way to hell because they haven't been born again. They have all of the external appearances. But like Nicodemus, never met Jesus Christ and yielded his life to him. And to those people, Jesus say, he says over and over, you must be born again. And I would say to you, if you are a member of the church, you have your name on the roll, but it's not on the roll in heaven. You need to be born again. And do not allow the embarrassment of having to say to a congregation, look, I've been a member of the congregation for years, but I've never been born again until right now. Don't let that stay in the standing the way. For without a new birth, there's only hell at the end of life. Fourthly, Nicodemus was orthodox. What do I mean by that? I mean by that that he adhered to all the teachings that the temple had. He was a fundamental believer. I get amused at the argument going on within churches between what's called liberalists and fundamentalists. That's ridiculous. Do you know God was a liberal? He is a liberal. If he weren't liberal, he would have written me off a long time ago and said, you're not any good. I'll, I'll pass. He was so liberal that he made it possible for even me to be saved. And you. Had he been a dyed-in-the-wool fundamentalist, he would have said, you're no good. I won't accept you. And that's what a lot of fundamental churches are doing, are looking at people and saying, you don't match up to what we expect. Get out. And I hope that we never are so fundamental in our beliefs that we will turn away God's children because they don't adhere to our particular formulas that we have previously established as to the way into heaven when God said through his son the only way into the kingdom of God is by a new birth and that's what we ought to be after and preaching and let's quit fooling around with all of these other things that seem to want to separate us one from another as Christian people Nicodemus was so orthodox that he hated sin, but there was one other problem he had. He also hated the sinner. 
He could not tolerate people who sinned. Listen. The woman who was taken in the very act of adultery and brought before Jesus, had that been Nicodemus standing there, and the people said to Nicodemus, what do you say we ought to do with her? Nicodemus said, stone her. But it was Jesus standing there, and the people brought her to Jesus and said, what should we do with her? And he never said a word, but wrote in the sands on the ground. And then when he stood up, he said, you that are without sin, you cast the first stone. And the scripture tells us that they dropped their stones and went away. Jesus was a liberal who would accept into his kingdom such a person as this. Fifthly, Nicodemus was a well-educated, well-cultured, very refined, and very wealthy. I'll lump a whole bunch of them here together. Education is extremely valuable. And I would encourage every young person to get as much education as they possibly can get. We have several people who, in our congregation, have brought on to college and a few master's degrees in our congregation, and I certainly applaud that and encourage it and others who have gone on in, in various other capacities to attain uh, an education. But education doesn't save anybody. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that does it. This man Nicodemus was very cultured. He would be the type of person that would go to the finest plays and visit the opera and all that other highbrow stuff. You know, he knew how to eat when he sat down at the table. You ever been to a fancy meal and they set you down at the table with 14 forks and six spoons and 10 knives and uh, there's little bowls of water in it there and you don't know what to do with any of them in what order? I've been to a few of those. I thought that little bowl was to drink. I, you know what I found out that was? That was to wash your fingers in after you ate chicken. I didn't know that. You didn't wipe that on you. Did you know that? I found out the hard way. I remember one of the story of one of the presidents that everybody wanted to just be, you know, uppity up in his presence, and they were eating a meal uh, in, in the White House, and the president poured some milk out in a saucer, and everybody watched him, so everybody else poured their milk out in the saucer, assuming, you know, that it was his custom to drink out of the saucer. He just set the saucer on the floor so the cat could have something to eat. We've got to be watchful, you know, in culture to make sure we do things the right way. But you could have the finest education and know how to use all of these things and when to stand up and when to sit down and when to uh, be polite and what language to use and how to hold the little cup that you can't get your finger through. I never figured out why those little coffee cups in fancy places, you can't even get your little finger through that hole, let alone the one that I want to put through it. And you know all that stuff, how to hold that cup. You know, you're right uptown. But listen, being uptown doesn't save a person. You still must be born again. Come back to the basics. You might have all the money in the world, everything that money could possibly buy, but it's not going to provide you eternal life. That's one of the dangers of having money. That is, a person connives in his mind that he can buy whatever he wants. 
And he'll be happy and satisfied. But Jesus would say even to the very wealthy, you must be born again. You know what the problem was with Nicodemus? He had heart trouble. He had a heart disease. It was called sin. In spite of all of his finery and his education and his religious attitude, he had a, he had a disease of the heart called sin. And Paul told us in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. To that person, Jesus would say, you must be born again. And there is no human cure for this one. There's no heart transplant that can take place. There's no bypasses that we can do to bypass the problem. None of those things can happen to solve the issue at hand. The only thing that can solve our problem is to place our lives in the hands of Jesus Christ, the great physician who has, who's the only one who has the answer. In our physical life, if we do not arrest a disease or cure it, it's going to get worse. Sin cannot be arrested. Sin can only be cured. And it's cured by only one procedure. And it is by having a new birth. And what does all of this mean? Well, it certainly does not mean changing one's life to decency. That's what man would prescribe. Man would say, let's become moral. Man would say, let's go to church. Clean up your act. Stop your bad habits. Quit cursing and drinking and running around and, and uh, clean yourself up and go out amongst the church people and that will save you. Jesus didn't say any of this. He said to all of those people, you're going to have to be born again. <coughs> The heart medicine that some of us take. I carry nitroglycerin here in my pocket all the time. And you know that if I ever ran into a problem with my heart, I'm supposed to put one of those under my tongue. The doctor did not say, take it out and rub it on your skin. He said, put it in your mouth. Why? Because that's got to get to the bloodstream in a hurry because there's a problem with the blood. The arteries need to be expanded that the blood can flow to the brain. And I don't know all the other medical reasons as to why it's done, but I understand enough to know that I've got to get it into the bloodstream. There needs to be a cleansing of our blood. We can whitewash the sepulchers on the outside as they attempt to do in Jesus' day. We can clean up the external and we can look fine and beautiful. But listen, if there is a problem with the heart, you're going to have to get in there where it is to solve the problem. You're not going to deal with the skin. 
And there are multitudes of people who are trying to clean up the skin and take all the rashes off and shave and comb the hair and make oneself look as, look as appealing as possible and thinking, when I get to heaven, God is going to say, my, what a fine-looking specimen that is, receive him in. But God looks beyond the skin and he sees right directly into the heart and he knows that there's where the real problem is. And if that heart has not been regenerated, hasn't been changed, he's going to reject that person at the throne and say, depart from me for I never knew you. For you haven't been born again. If you're not born this morning, the second time, I certainly encourage you to do so. Victor Hugo, a novelist some years past, wrote a story, a novel, that contained an episode of an old wooden ship on the sea. And down the hold of that ship there was a cannon that with all the rocking and the turning of the waves had broken loose from its mooring and that cannon was bashing one side to the other back and forth across the hold of that ship about ready to mash a hole in the side of that old wooden ship and it would sink. What are they going to do? Clean up the deck of the ship and say, my, isn't it nice and beautiful, we'll make it in. No, they had to send somebody down into the hold of the ship and get a hold of the problem and more that cannon that it might not keep bashing the sides of the ship. Listen, in the hearts and lives of lots of people, there's a loose cannon that's bashing around inside that heart, and it's going to knock a hole in it. That person will be lost for eternity because the problem was not addressed. I would urge you this morning to address the problem that you face. Let's save the ship. Let's save the heart by allowing the blood of Jesus Christ that drained off the cross of Calvary not to clean the body, but allow it to clean the soul. And what you ought to do this morning is let me tell you how you ought to do it. You're not a Christian if you have not been born again. All you've got to do is be willing, and God does the rest. All you have to do is say to God above, Lord, I'm lost, and I know I'm doomed for hell, and I want to be born again. I want to be your child. He will do it. He will perform the birth. You will be the new child. That can happen right in your seat, right where you are. But once it's happened, if it has happened, if you have invited the Lord Jesus to do this for you, you ought to move out of that seat and come down this aisle and meet me down here at the front. That's just formality. You'll be saved before you ever start down here if you're serious about it. Be willing to tell this congregation, look, I'm a new child. I'm a baby. I want you to take me and help me. I confess Christ. I've asked him to forgive me sins. And he's given me a new birth. A new lease on life, a new heart. Then if you are 
a member of this church and have not been living as you ought, you would want to rededicate yourself. Tell this congregation that. We encourage you to do so. If you're a member of another church and you want to become a part of our fellowship, then we encourage you to do that as well. Whatever your decision that you need to make this morning, will you make it as we sing our closing Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.